I'm grateful that we have a piano to sing to, but y'all sounded wonderful. <laughs> we didn't have the piano then. Thank you so much for singing the parts there. I'm not good with music, but that sounded good to me, and I know it sounded good to the Lord, too. So anyway, turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Revelation, the last book of your Bible. Unless your Bible's upside down, then it should be the first one. Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2. We're beginning our focus on the seven churches of Asia, mentioned here in chapter 2 and chapter 3. There are four of them mentioned in chapter 2, three of them in chapter 3. We're going to look at them tonight. First, the first church in chapter 2 of Revelation. In your bulletin, there is an insert you can use for to write your prayer sheet for notes tonight. hope you'll take it out and fill that out. Just way of announcement, we're going to start another Bible Institute on the first Wednesday night of November. I think originally said the last Wednesday in uh, October. We're going to move that back one week. So four weeks from the night, November 1st, we begin our Bible Institute. We're going to have four different classes, and hopefully we'll have the titles of those for you next Wednesday night, and you can uh, sign up for a particular class you might like to take. Again, that is November the 1st for our next Bible Institute. I hope you plan to be with us for that time. So Revelation chapter 2, let's begin in verse 1. I'd like to read through this whole uh, verses 1 through 7. Then we'll back up and look at this message that the Lord had for the church. Now, if you have a red letter edition Bible, this is red letters. That means this is Christ speaking to this body of Christ in Ephesus. Begin in verse 1, please. Revelation 2, verse 1. It says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them that are evil. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience for thy, for thy my name's sake, has labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have someone against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent, and do the first works else, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove the candlestick out of his place, uh, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which also I hate. I also hate, excuse me, verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit saith in the churches, to him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So let's back up, please, in verse 1. You'll take out your notes and fill in the blanks for that. Notice it gives us a description of Christ there in verse 1. It talks about his hands. And it says there in verse 1, under the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, he that holdeth the seven stars in his hands. So basically, this is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, and he holds the seven stars in his right hand. And the question is, what are the seven stars? If you'd back up in verse chapter 1, verse 20, it tells us what the seven stars are. Revelation 1.20, it says, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. It says the seven stars are the what? 
angels of the seven churches. Interesting, the word angels there means messengers. It is not as believed these were not angelic beings like we think of Michael, Gabriel. These are the messengers of the church. Many believe it's referring to the pastors, the pastors of the church. So the Lord is writing a letter to the pastors of the church, the one who delivers the message to this body of Christ, and it said, He that holdeth the seven stars in his hand. So angels refers as the word messenger or pastors of the church. So we're saying here the Lord is holding the pastors in his hands. I don't know about you, I find that comforting. The Lord holds the pastor in his hands. Next, his feet. It talks about his hands, then his feet. It goes on to say, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Again, this is a description of Christ, holding the seven stars in his right hand, and walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, what are these seven golden candlesticks? Again, if you back up in chapter 1, verse 20, it tells us what the candlesticks are. The latter part of it says the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the what? Seven churches. So the stars are the seven are the pastors of the churches, and the candlesticks are the churches themselves, and, and the seven churches of Asia. But basically, we're saying here Christ is described as being in the midst of each church, holding its messenger, the pastor. In his hands. It talks about the close relationship God has with each church. The Lord is in the midst of the church, holding the pastor in his hand. Uh, Matthew 18:20 says this. Many of you know this verse. Leave on the screen. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the what? The midst of them. So when we as a body of Christ gather together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, guess who's right there with us? The Lord Jesus Christ is, and the picture is, he's in the midst of us, holding the pastor in his hands. Talks about the close relationship God has, the Christ has, with his church and with the pastor of the church. That's the description of Christ. Number two, now look at the commendation that he gave of the church of Ephesus. Look in verse 2, please. Revelation 2, verse 2. He commends them for several things here. He says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. So he first begins to commend them. He said, I know thy works. Do you realize the Lord knows the works you do for him? Whether it be amidst the body of Christ which we serve, or wherever you serve the Lord, God knows your works. And Hebrews said he's not unrighteous to forget your works or labor of love. He knows your works, and one day he'll reward you for them. But however, our works don't save us. You understand that God knows our works, not to, to evaluate for good or bad enough to go to heaven. We're saved by grace through faith and not of works. But he knows our works, and one day will reward us for our works. Salvation is not a reward. Salvation is a gift. But once you're saved, God said, I know that works. So letter A, Christ commends their hard work. Christ commends their hard work. And he says, it goes on to say, thy labor. The word labor means toil, strenuous, exhausting effort. It means work that just tires you out. How many understand that? <laughs> work that tires you out. 
That's the work they were doing for the Lord. They were busy serving the Lord to the point of exhaustion. And God notices that. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, we look at this verse on Sunday morning. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the what? The work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain, the Lord. Because he notices your works, and one day he'll reward them. And he noticed the works of these believers in the church of Ephesus and commends them for their hard work. The next thing he commended them for was their perseverance. Their perseverance. He goes on to say the next word, thy patience. There's a word for perseverance. You know, I'm so grateful when I see God's people persevere. I, some of the greatest Christians go through hard times. And there's many people in our church you may not know they're going through difficult times. But they haven't given up. They're here tonight. And, they're, and God sees their patience, sees their perseverance. And Second Thessalonians 3.13, he said, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. So when you're in the midst of serving the Lord and you're suffering for it, maybe having difficult times, hang in there. Do not give up. Do not fail. God notices your work and he notices your perseverance. Sometimes we wonder, does anybody see what I'm doing for the Lord? The Lord does. <laughs> he sees what you're doing. And one day he'll reward you for that. Number three, a letter C. The third thing he will commend them for is their intolerance of wicked men. Their intolerance of wicked men. He goes on to say there in verse 2, he said, How thou canst not bear them which are evil. The word bear means to endure, sustain, or receive them which are evil. They could not tolerate people who do wrong. Interesting, the Lord loves sinners, but he hates their what? Their sin. Hold your finger right here. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And here the Lord gives instruction how to deal with those that do wrong, those that do evil. And he commended the church of Ephesus because they would not tolerate it. When they, people did wrong, they would not tolerate evil. Thou canst not bear them which are evil. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. By the way, what kind of church was the Corinthian church? Anybody know? The, the Bible says they were carnal. That means they were fleshly. They were saved, but their life didn't show it. And the evidence in their life was that they were carnal. And he says to these carnal Christians in 1 Corinthians 5, 11, look what he says. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a what? A brother. And I'm talking about the unsaved. I'm talking about another Christian. If any man being called a brother be a fornicator, that means someone involved with sexual immorality, or covetous, or idolater, or railer, or drunkard, or extortioner. I say, Pastor, can Christians do that? <laughs> You'd be surprised what a Christian can do when under the control of the flesh. Someone once said, you can do anything that the unbeliever can do when you're under the uh, control of the flesh. Our flesh is contrary to God, and these believers were carnal. And he said, if you know someone that's a Christian, and he's involved with sexual immorality, co covetous, railer or drunkard or extortioner, he goes on to say, with such an one, no, not even eat with him. 
he says, uh, he says, don't keep company with them and don't even go out to lunch with them. In other words, don't bear those that do evil. There may be a time you may have to confront them with doing wrong and say, listen, brother, I love you, but what you're doing is wrong. And as long as you continue in this, I can't keep a company with you. That's what the Bible says. And that's exactly what Church of Ephesus did, and God commended them for it. The next commendation, he commended them for their hard work, their perseverance, their intolerance of wicked men, and next, their identification of false apostles. Their identification of false apostles. Do you believe there's people out there claim to be preachers that are not true preachers? There's a bunch of them out there. It said, thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them what? Liars. Go with me now, if you will, please, to 1 John. Keep your finger in the Revelation. 1 John, a couple of books to your left. Before Revelation, you got Jude, then you got 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, and chapter 4, please. Here we're told to try people to see whether they're of God or not. It's exactly what the church of Ephesus did. They tried them that say they're apostles and are not. Just because a man claims to be a pastor, a man of God, a woman of God, doesn't mean they are. Uh, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, look what we're encouraged to do here. First of all, he, speaking to believers, beloved, he says, believe not every what? Spirit, but what? Try them. Try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out in the world. Notice behind every prophet, false prophet, is, is a spirit. And God tells us, to try them. By the way, how do you test the spirit? How do you test a pastor? Whether these have God or not? With the Bible, God's word. In other words, measure them up to the word of God. If they preach the word, they're of God. If they preach contrary to the word, chances are they are not of God. So here we're told by John, don't believe everything we hear. You ever heard the term, the song, I won't sing the song for you. There's a verse of song. It said, wherever he leads me, I will Follow. Many Christians ought to say, what if he feeds me, I will swallow. Because <laughs> so many people, just because a person claims to be of God, they say, well, listen, he's, he's a man of God. Listen to what he has to say. And be careful, because God tells us to try them. Put them to the test, whether it be of God or not. It's exactly what the church Ephesus did, and God committed them for it. These people claimed to be apostles, and they were not, and they were found liars because they were compared to the word of God. Letter E, the third commendation. I'm sorry, the fourth one. They commend him for the works, perseverance, intolerance of wicked men, identification of false apostles, and letter E, the, their motive for serving. Their motive for serving. Interesting. God not only sees what you do, he looks at why you do it. And it says there in verse 3, he says, for my name's sake, has labored, and has not, what? Fainted. So these people were busy serving the Lord. They persevered. And he again talks about that. And he says, for my name's sake, you've labored and have not fainted. So what was their motive for serving the Lord? The Lord's namesake. For the sake of the Lord's name. You know, if you can't do something for the, your own sake, you got to do it for the Lord's sake. Amen? 
And so these people did it for the, his namesake. In Hebrews 12.3, I believe the word to be on the verse will be on the screen. He says, For consider him, to my Lord Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. So if you're going through hard times, you're about to throw in the towel and give up. The writer of Hebrews says, Consider Christ. On the cross, how many grateful he didn't give up? He didn't give up for us. He went all through the suffering, the beatings, the slappings, the mockings, and yet to the cross, he died for us. And so when you are about to give up, God says, consider him. Look what he went through for you. My friend, you've never been through what he went through, and yet he did it for you. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. The next one, the next thing the Lord commended them for, again, their hard work, their perseverance, their intolerance of wicked men, their identification of false apostles, their motive for serving, and next here, their hatred of the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Their hatred of the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Go down to verse 6, please, of chapter 2. He said, but thou... But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Notice it didn't say they hated the Nicolaitans. They hated the deeds of Nicolaitans. I'm so grateful, even though I may sin, God still loves me. He loves the sinner, but hates the sin. The sinners here were the Nicolaitans, but it said thou hast hated their deeds. Now, what were the Nicolaitans? What were the deeds of the Nicolaitans? It doesn't say here. There is a, a much speculation concerning the identity of the Nicolaitans, but the scriptures do not specify who they were. They apparently were a sect or group wrong in practice and wrong in doctrine. The word Nicholas means one who conquers the people. Evidently, these people in charge of other people took authority over the people. And Irenaeus, which was one of the church fathers of the early uh, centuries, writes that Nicholas there was a deacon in the early church. In fact, hold your finger right here. Go with me now to Acts chapter 6, please. Coming right back to this. This Nicholas, which referred to his deeds as the Nicolaitans, the Nicolaitans were followers of this man called Nicholas. In Acts chapter 6, verse 5, Again, the early church father said Nicholas was one who was made a deacon in the early church. Remember in the book of Acts chapter 6 when the widows were being neglected and the apostles said, choose out among you faithful men who may serve the tables so we can give ourselves the word of God. And he named some of the deacons by name. Look in chapter 6 verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose, notice the first one here, Stephen. You heard of Stephen? He was the one that was stoned for Christ. Remember that? A man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. And Philip and Parcurus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenius and who? Nicholas, a proselyte in Antioch. So the early church fathers said this was the man whom the Nicolaitans followed. Now, some people believe maybe he was a false uh, Christian. They appeared to be a Christian. They ordained him to be a deacon. 
in reality he was not, and, and began to b preach things were wrong. Others say he was the good man, and those people that followed him twisted his, his teaching and did something wrong. But notice they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. They are the ones who followed Nicholas. So the Nicholas did wrong and taught wrong, or maybe he was a good man, and they twisted his, his teachings. We don't know for certain. But here's what one said here. It said, Nicholas was a false believer who later became an apostate. And because of his credentials, he was able to lead the church astray. He led the people into immorality and wickedness. The Nicolaitans' followers of Nicholas were involved with immorality and assaulted the church with sexual temptations. That's what one of the church fathers said. These heretics were hated and expelled by the church of Ephesus. So whether it was those who followed them and did wrong or he himself, it dates back all the way to Acts chapter 6 to the man called Nicholas. That's their commendation. Next, let's look at their rebuke. In each church, we're going to find out, except for one, all seven churches, the Lord commended them, then also he rebuked them. Look in verse 4, please. Notice the rebuke God gave us. He had so much good to say about him, but he found something wrong about him. Verse 4. He says, nevertheless, after he commended them of things they did right, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast less thy, what? First love. So notice here, the Lord not only notices what we do, but why we do it. The Lord can see past our deeds and can see the what? The heart. For man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And something about them, though they were busy serving the Lord, God saw they left their first love. Now, the word left there means, the lettering put down, they, they had laid aside a love they once possessed. They left their first love. They laid aside the love they once possessed. The word left means to leave, lay aside, or forsook. So they had a love that they had left aside and uh, put it aside. Now, question is, what was the love for? What did they love that they left aside? doesn't tell us, does it? But I want to look at three different loves that Christians in the Bible have. And you can choose among these which one it may have been. doesn't tell what their first love was. By the way, what do you think their first love was? Was it their wife? Their husband? <laughs> what was their first love? Let me give you three to choose from that is found in other believers. The first one is, number one, a love for God. A love for God. I don't know about you. I remember when I first was saved and I was dedicated my life. I love the Lord. And why do we love him? We love him, why? Because he first loved us. And so maybe this was the love they left behind. And uh, someone said they had become so busy doing the work. By the way, did he commend their work? Yes. They got so busy doing the work of the Lord, they forgot the Lord of the work. Let me say that again. They got so busy doing the work of the Lord, they forgot the Lord of the work. And by the way, that's easy to do, is it not? I don't know about you. You get so busy serving the Lord that sometimes the one thing we forget is our devotions. I don't have time to read my Bible. I'm too, ser too busy serving the Lord. <laughs> I don't have time to pray. I've got to, you know, serve the Lord. And so 
Someone said the first step in backsliding is to put one's service for Christ ahead of one's love for Christ. Let me say that again. The first step in backsliding is to put one's service for Christ ahead of one's love for Christ. How the church today needs to heed the same warning that our service is not enough. Christ wants believers' hearts as well as their hands. How about you? Have you left your first love? Another area of love that in the Bible says people may have left, love for God, number two, is love for the lost. A love for the lost. In John 1, verse 41, interesting, remember Simon Peter's brother? It says in John 1, 41, it said, when he, when he got saved, he found the Messiah. It said, he first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. I have found some of the greatest people that love souls as brand new Christians. When they uh, realize what Christ done for them, he died for me and paid for me. I said, I'm so grateful. The other people need to hear this good news. And sometimes it's the new believers that have a concern for the uh, other lost more than people who have been saved for years. Can you remember a time you, loved, you had a desire to win the lost more than you do now? And, and maybe it was the love for the lost they left. They didn't say what it was. It could have been the love for God or the love for lost. Do you love people coming, bringing people to Christ? Was there a time that you used to witness more than you do now? Was there a time you used to hand out more tracts than you do now? Have you left your first love? And lastly... The last love I want to look at, not only love for God, love for the lost, but the love for the brethren. Love for the brethren. Ephesians 1.5, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the what? Saints. So it does not tell us one thing he rebuked them for. He praised them for five, six things. He said, nevertheless, I have one thing against you. You've left your first love. Was it love for the Lord? Or love for the lost? Or love for the brethren? How about you? Do you find you maybe have kind of waned in one of these loves? <laughs> or love for the word of God? Okay, that's another good one. Uh, but whatever it was, they left that and the Lord noticed. What is it in your life that you love less than you used to? Maybe that's the reason you have to blink. Because he let, let you apply it to where it is in your life. It's time to quit. Let's stop. Let's have a word of prayer, please. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, here the Lord Jesus was speaking to believers in a church in the first century called the Church of Ephesus. But I wonder if he will write a church to First Baptist. And he said, nevertheless, we have left our first love. What love have we left? Where did we love more than we love now? Was it the Lord? Was it time you loved the Lord more than you do now? Was it time you couldn't wait to spend time in his word? A time you could not wait to be in prayer with him? A time you could not, you just long to commune and fellowship with him? But that's kind of become slack. How about your love for the lost? When's the last time you handed out a track? When's the last time you had a, a desire to win someone to Christ? Have you left your love for the lost? And how about your love for the brethren? Being with God's people. 
this would be a message for those on Sunday morning, not here on Wednesday night. The fact you're here tonight shows me that you love the Lord and you love uh, the brethren. But what area of, of your life that you have become loving less? Father in heaven, you do not tell us what love they had left, but you said they left their first love. And maybe that's because each of us need to apply that to our hearts. Because the love, love I may have left may not be the love that somebody else has left. So Holy Spirit of God, speak to our hearts. Help us to apply this area in our life of what, we lo le what love we have left in our life. Help us to seek to get that back. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.